Good morning, everybody. It's January 15th, 2021. I'm Charlie Fink with my friend Ted Chilowitz uh, and Lori Schwartz, uh, who is the uh, is a the CEO of StoryTech Consultancy, uh, focused on the tech and immersive industries. And she is also the governor of the Interactive Media Peer Group uh, at the Television Academy. Um, Lori is a, a frequent speaker. Ted and I have both worked with her on um, different projects. She's always got prestigious uh, clients and, um, you know, brings me into great stuff. So it's a pleasure to bring you uh, onto our podcast this morning to talk about CES, our big event of the year. It's a pleasure Absolutely. to be welcome, here. Lori. Welcome, welcome, Lori. I see you're both inside. I'm outside today because there's full-on morning chaos going on in the home today. So I, uh, I took my quest outside because uh, before the sun gets on the back lawn here, I can do my workout uh, outside and uh, I figured well, I love that we wait all have these nearby that we all have that's <laughs> just standing nearby like I broke my battery strap if there's anybody who has anything to do with Facebook I broke it and you have my address so <laughs> yeah, send us it, it does results. not stand up well to daily use <laughs> um, I found that with my one also you get it and it's like all robust and stuff and you know, after a couple of months of uh, pounding on it, all of a sudden it's like yeah. a little rickety and uh, not quite, uh, you know, ready for action device that that it was. So um, anyway, let's so let's talk about CES. Virtual right? CES this week, right? Yeah, or virtual CES, the first, the first, and hopefully only virtual CES. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's been very interesting, um, and I've I've had mixed reports from colleagues that you know, I usually go with every year. Um, you know, CES is sort of my, my big professional event where I bring about 14 consultants and we handle these big show floor tours and we've been doing it for about, you know, eight to 10 years now as CES is sort of official tour guides. Um, so it was really- That's one of the most visible things about CES. It's, yeah. it's like, um, you know, being in Red Square and all the different colored umbrellas that people following around you know you see those in all the big tourists you know Rome and other places where uh you see them in airports so Lori the people are following Lori at CES yeah they're following me and they're following a team and we have this whole process and we have like the headsets and um a whole sort of you know a couple of rooms in the different spaces and catering and it's a whole executive thing and I have to say, I, I thought my December was going to be a lot easier this year because I wasn't prepping for it. But then it turned into prepping for a version of virtual tours, which we did for some clients, um, which is not as exciting as the real thing. But what was even more difficult was that we were trying to show B-roll from all of these exhibitors who were on press embargo until the week of CES. And so with virtual, you have to prep it before and so it was it was you know virtually impossible to get all the b-roll we needed to really do the tour appropriately because we couldn't get a hold of it you know so it was an interesting challenge I Charlie, did you guys did you guys do a lot of um 
speeches and presentations throughout the week, I was pretty pretty loaded oh, up. They had I, kind of I, did, kind of I did one. I mean, usually for for two months, even three months before CES, I'm being bombarded with pitches. Uh, both general tech pitches and then pitches that have to do with XR and just like random people who want to meet. I mean, that's the beauty of CES. Yeah, There's, yeah. you know, 200,000 people there. Um, and so I think, for example, you know, Lori's tours, you know, this is supposed to be the zeitgeist event yeah. for people in tech and tech related businesses. So, you know, in the old days, CES used to be about people who were retailers coming to meet with the manufacturers and, um, and plan their lineup and, and what they're selling the following December. You know, it was just an ongoing cycle. Um, and, uh, and today it's, it's not that at all. I mean, I suppose there's some of that, but there's so little retail compared to online, but you know, there's huge presence by Amazon at CES. There's, you know, so, I don't know how you you put that across online, right? Because things online, you know, these get Zoom calls get smaller and smaller yeah. and more and more intimate because once you blow them up, you know, it may as well be an audio thing. Yeah, yeah. we we, we um, always have in the real world created a framework of trends, right? So that because these busy executives get so overwhelmed and you can't blame them. So if you give them a framework and then you can shove a lot of different exhibitors inside of a framework. So we still did that for the virtual version. Um, it just becomes a lot of talking though, if you can't cut to B-roll or cut to yes. exhibitors. And it was just an interesting challenge because the exhibitors are too busy manning their virtual CES booths to be on your live stream. And so I think the model is maybe to do stuff after CES you know, and then you've had time to gather everything, but it, you know, I'm, pl I'm playing with all of that. But I, I do think even though, you know, there are 2000 exhibitors this year, normally there's about 4,000. Um, so there was definitely a decrease in the amount of participation, but you had a lot more global participants because people right. normally couldn't afford sure. So that was, that was kind of cool, right? Um, and a lot yeah, of things. You're making an interesting point. You're making an interesting point that I was observing throughout the week and thinking about even beforehand is I saw the companies that actually have really good media understanding, yeah. um, know how to shine. Um, and I was thinking about this past Apple presentation when they had to go virtual as opposed to doing their WWDC uh, or any kind of press launch and how they actually took their resources and understanding and professionalism of TV production because, you know, Apple and Amazon now have TV production, they're competing with the major studios, um, and essentially applied it to their corporate offerings of their new products. It was slick, it was well thought out, amazing graphics, real time stuff. Um, and it, and you, you're, it really worked really well. Whereas what you all talked about at the beginning is the, the virtual, the, the, the real CES, the power of CES is the power of the gathering and the yeah. power of just the connectivity and just seeing all this stuff. The scale of it, the scale yeah. of it, the mayhem. Right. And, the, and the challenge that, that I think you have virtually is a lot of the companies, even some of the really big companies, didn't really grasp the power of media and actually understand how to use media correctly. And maybe that's the, the learning that we can help and others can help with these large corporations is yeah. as we, get to this not going fully back to 
you know, generation one and now we're in gen two of this mix of virtual and real and real, we've got to all get like better TV producers. The virtual conference, in my opinion, has not yet been invented. Right, right, um, right. I think that, you know, there's, you just, because together with presence, um, you, you have commitment, mm -hmm. right? I'm committed to be fully present in Las Vegas for five days. I'm going to fully participate. I'm going to go to press conferences to reconnect with my friends in the press. I'm going to have a dinner with Ted. I'm going to wave hi to Lori in the hallway four times. I'm going to, you know, there's a ritualization to it. Yeah. You know, that you cannot replicate. And the meals, the late night meals and the, yeah. you know, the, the people that you really only see Absolutely. Once, once a year, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, there is this moment every year where I run into Shelly Palmer, who was the original tour giver. And there's a little like randomosity between us kind of, you know, and so there's a moment where we meet um, on the floor and people take pictures, <laughs> you know, and it's the whole moment, but it's every year and it, and it's kind of a beautiful moment, you know, and that we don't have that this year, you know, and so I, always, I, I always watch the pictures every year and I'm like, Oh, I look better that year than the year. I, I had hoped, I had hoped they would have uh, been a bit more ambitious, Yeah. but it, it just, it's a, to do anything of scale, it would have to be all you do. It, it is, right? it, because, you're at, you're and they at, just, they just, you know, are not built to do that. No, and, and it, can't, it's you can't remake yourself in in four or five months and then go do that. Right, and and it's exactly what I've been experienced with experiencing with getting clients as a you know an event consultant, getting clients to jump into this is moving past the Zoom call, branding this video, treating it professionally. Getting there's so many things that you could do and there's no reason to have it right. tied to the timeline of CES if right. it's virtual. Right. And getting professional people who, you know, not everyone can speak on camera. You know, it's not. Right. And that's okay. Because they never do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not their job. I mean, you know, this is like, you, you, the first rule is that don't let somebody do something the first time live. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You know, the fourth time, the fifth time, okay, but so that is the problem with media. These are not media companies, so they need the context to be able to present themselves, you know, in, in the right way yeah. uh, in, order, in order to get what they want, which is people to pay attention to them. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's interesting, like you'd have, you know, when you'd, when you'd walk around the show floor, you'd often see these professional presenters right in their business suits and their little yeah. lavalier mics and stuff yeah. and sometimes it worked great because you got like the kind of information you wanted really succinctly and professionally but often it didn't because it wasn't authentic it was like that was just a, a layer yeah. of a spokesperson yeah so what you kind of really want is this authentic like this is the person that actually built the thing kind of talking about the thing well, but they person, if it's online why shouldn't it be that person right right yeah, exactly. right we we they often, have to be good at it. yeah we often on the tours don't give the mic to the booth people because the booth people have memorized a paragraph right and that's it right yeah. and so you so you may give it to them for the very deep down the well as you were mentioning specifics about the product but then it requires our tour guide to frame it inside of the landscape you know and give the back history and often the floor and you guys know this 
the floor itself is a trend, right? Right, like, of course. That, well, that's what I mean by the zeitgeist. Yeah, the, the booths grow or shrink or go away. Like it was seminal last year when Intel was gone. Right, right. And Intel sure. had that whole corner in Central Hall and right. they were gone. And no, one, and no one replaced them because right. CES has moved on. It's not that important at CES anymore for the chip guys to be there. Right. Although well, there's, a, there's a culture to it, right? There's a yeah. there's a culture. It's almost yes. like these large exactly. conventions are sort of like a city that gets sprung up and you wander around a city just like you know, when yeah. you would wander around Paris or wander around Brussels, you'd go down this corner and you'd find something really unique that like right. they have that's no exactly. money to market. They're a small right. little cheap shop. And that's, well, the that's thing of course the serendipity of the conference floor. Right. Yeah. Right. right. I don't go to the conference floor to see the Intel booth. I, I mean, I like seeing how cool it is and try and guesstimate how much money it must have cost them. Yeah, which but, never made sense because they're not B to C. But in know? the old days, the argument would have been, yeah. even though my, you know, the customers of my customer are there. Yeah, right. it's about showing right, off right. for your stockholders, right? right? It's about showing off for the market and it's about showing off for the press. Right. Um, right. Yeah. The virtual side has had to figure yeah. that out. It's, it's really yeah. fascinating to kind of study. But in could you recognize trends this year, guys? Say it again. So with all of that being said, could we recognize any trends this year? I mean, yeah, I see yeah, a couple yeah. from the press, but honestly, it, it did not make an impression. I took away from our XR world, because obviously this podcast is focused on our XR universe, um, is that this is a year of what I would refer to as quiet maturity, meaning mm. there weren't a lot of like ridiculous announcements of stuff happening and all these new headsets. There were a few things out there, but they weren't that meaningful. They were like, oh yeah, they're doing it. TCL had a really breakthrough things. They were incremental improvement things. Correct. And, and that's actually a really good sign for, for our trajectory, right? It's like every year doesn't have to be a year where you launch a whole bunch of stuff. Some years have to be the industry is finding its way with the tool sets that they've built and maturing them. And then the next wave is being prepared by developers in secret right now. Um, and I think that that's, to me, that was sort of my takeaway from our little part of the CES universe. I don't know if you agree with that, but that's, that was my takeaway. Well, again, what I found most intriguing was the way you ended that sentence, which is developed in secret right now. Yeah. What do you know that we don't know? Well, my, you know, my life is, as you know, Charlie, is odd and, and very multi-layered and um, um, uh, I'm always thinking and, and- That is always thinking about which NDA he signed. Right, <laughs> right. I'm just forced to, to get him to accidentally say yeah. something. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I will say this really for me was, if a tree falls in the forest, did it really make a noise, CES? Right, mm. right. You know, instead right. of getting, I mean, it was, instead of getting a thousand pitches and a thousand press releases, I got two dozen over two months. But we all did go to the recap, right? We all did get our recap stuff. We went to The Verge, we went to Engadget, we went yeah. to Wired, we went to all our, at least I did, all our yeah, press outlets yeah. that I would do in the morning at the hotel before I would like get out and go, okay, what did I miss yesterday? So I was able to just do that from my home and, and, and thank God for that. Thank, thank God for all those people that were still right. aggregating 
all the information yep. and distilling it down into bite-sized chunks, just like, you know, just like you do as well, Charlie, and you do, Lori, like someone's yeah. got to take it and manage it, right, for, for everybody. And, and at least that, that still happens. So you read a lot about LG with all their foldable, bendable stuff, which I right. still am like, I'm still waiting for that moment where it's like, oh, now it makes sense. Now I know what I would use, use it for, but uh, at least they're out there pushing it and, and doing it, you know. Well, if you look at the, the virtual worlds portion, both Philips and P&G created worlds that you went into to look at their products, right? So in, in your world, um, I, you know, my, my uh, tour guides all really enjoyed the Philips virtual world. And I don't know if it was Verbella or who it was that they built their world in. Maybe you guys know that, but it was a place for people to go and try out their products. And um, a lot of people liked Philips version of it. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't know what the, the software was, but they enjoyed going in and playing with things. And PNG in the last couple of years has come out as its own brand at CES, as opposed to a holding company, which was right. new for them over the last couple of years where they showed off a lot of innovations, right. which if you know how those big holding companies work, they never talk as PNG, and in fact, there's competition between the units, you know, the brands on, on the marketing dollars and who's going to get to do what. So it was very interesting when they come out as a holding company, right? Yeah, my, um, I got invited, uh, and some of my Viacom bio, CBS colleagues got invited to a thing called Spatial Web that was hosted by MediaLink. Uh, it was Mark Casson's thing, you know, so he's kind of a presence in the world and, and iHeartRadio and they had Billie Eilish and Ryan Seacrest. So they, they definitely tried to get the CES celebrity working. <laughs> yeah, and Dua Lipa. Yeah, yeah. So, you, so you know about it. And, yeah. and it was an interesting kind of like evolution of Zoom where they're using some of the spatial tools of moving around and, and gamified kind of dancing around a space. But instead of avatars, it was little video icons like zoom but in little circles so you could actually yeah. see yourself and not a not a computer generated uh, avatar so it was an interesting yeah. experiment that, that we we kind of found interesting and that was a good you know i think they got like a thousand people to gather and and do it so it was a bit of a mosh pit it was like kind of crazy but but it sort of worked you know it was an interesting start to it um what yeah. one, one trend i wanted to bring up with you guys that that i read about a lot in the roundups uh, was 5g so this is like the fourth year of the 5G being a trend and 5G being the year that it happens. So um, tell, me, tell me about your, your impressions of that at the show uh, and, um, and what you think is really going to happen this year. Well, I did an event with, with uh, Verizon Media and so a lot of their experts were talking about this is the hands-on year of 5G meaning that the previous years we kept talking about it and talking about it. And because there was no mobile Congress in 2020, um, this was the year that a lot of the devices that can play in 5G were launched or shown. And so a lot of these folks were calling it the hands-on 5G year, like the real 5G year. Um, you know, and, and you and I were talking about this offline that you know, you've heard this before, but that, that is what a lot of the experts are claiming is that this is the first year there's real devices and there is a network out there. And a lot of the questions that were coming from some of the live streams that I did from people were, how will I know if my device is 5G and will this solve for 
my kids streaming, my husband streaming, and I'm streaming, and how do we survive? You know, will 5G solve for the pandemic's needs? You know, and they couldn't really answer that question. Right. You know, I, I think what I found interesting is that with all of the, the really smart marketing people trying to find and identify use cases for 5G over the last couple of years, what's happened now, now that, you know, people just, you know, people can get a 5G device of the, of the particular brand that they like and it's out in the world and, and they're using it and I'm using it and I happen to live in a dense enough part of LA uh, where like, you know, I've got 5G right now, you know, I, I, I have, it's on, right? Um, and what I've discovered is the first real use case is even though we're, we're much less mobile these days, so we're not actually using it a lot because we have our home networks. Um, when we get back to mobile, um, crystal clear video communication while walking around the park, while being in a car, while being away from your home network is going to probably become one of the better and more functional uses of, you know, it doesn't need to be all choppy. It doesn't need to be, even with LTE, it was kind of like it would sort of make everything soft and dull and frame, you know, frame limited. And with 5G, it's just as good. I, I, I'm assuming I'm coming across pretty good here on my home network. Yeah. Um, it would literally look just like this if I was in my self-driving car driving somewhere and doing this video chat. Um, and that's an important step to the future. Um, and I don't yeah, think the your, folks figured that out, you know? I'm looking at your frame uh, and uh, I hear you and I see you, but you could definitely be helped by 5G right now. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know what? You could be. I'm seriously. So I yeah. think you made a good point, which is what I always say, which is, Take something I'm already doing and make it better. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. There was um, an announcement um, and some press, I think you even wrote about this, Charlie, that what NVIDIA is doing with video using AI to pluck the best version of your face mm. with lower bandwidth. So I think one of the trends that we're noticing is solving for when you don't have good bandwidth. Yeah. You know, like, how do you create, because because it is depressing when you can't see your colleague well, and it adds stress. So if NVIDIA has figured out how to deliver a better face in this environment with lower bandwidth, then that's an interesting evolution, right? So, like, how how is the lack of good signal lit up a lot? Well, of uh, you bring, bring up a good point, because, of course, that's Zoom's secret sauce, right? I mean, that's Zoom figured out how to balance uh, all the latency issues that we have, as well as manage the sound. Um, if you go into Google Meet now, it's intolerable. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so, you know, Zoom, so all you have to do is go to a few Google Meets to understand what Zoom has done and why they are so successful. Um, yeah, so again, yeah. it goes back to take what I'm already doing and, and make it much make better. It better. Yeah, because lots of people were doing this before the pandemic and even before Zoom was launched. Um, yeah. You know, Cisco thought they were doing just fine, which is why the uh, guy who founded Zoom left and started his own company, because he didn't think they were. He had a better way of doing it. And, and right. we're using that right now. I hate, um, I mean, hate is a strong word, but I hate go to and teams and all those guys because i also don't know who's talking half the time the interface is just you know confusing you know it's mm -hmm. like wait are you presenting right now you know like can i share it's just um 
not clean. And then you had StreamYard. Did you guys ever use StreamYard? StreamYard is a browser-based solution that Hopin, which is an event company, just bought. Right. And StreamYard, right? it, it let you brand it, which I think that's the piece missing in all of this, is why can't we brand yeah. our windows better, even in a meeting? Yeah. If we're in this all day, let's make it look good. Right. Well, I think that the, my guess is that Zoom will be building more and more flexibility into that and, yeah. and more and more little AR-ish controls like, you know, blurring your background or improve, you know, you can improve, you know, your image. You can make it a little out of focus. You can, you know, enhance yeah, the Streisand, the Streisand box that you click for the exactly, exactly for your close-up. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So you can do your close-up. So, uh, and I imagine Zoom will continue to develop that. I, you know, Zoom is a very wealthy company right now, uh, and they've got a lot of customers, and and they've got a lot of competitors. So I would imagine their R and D budget is high, and there are probably hundreds of people working on different. Uh, you know, they're they're working on apparently email and calendar. You know, so they're going to you know, try and become more of a platform like like Yeah, Google it's kind of fascinating. They're, they're trying to spread out their wings, kind of like Google did from search to, well, we can do this and we can do this and we can use some of our resources. The, the one surprise I think I had, and maybe it's just because I'm such an, an Apple head and have been for essentially my entire career, is that Zoom overtook um, FaceTime even for people that are Apple to Apple. Um, I mean, and I still actually prefer FaceTime for all my casual discussions, and I actually still think it, it works better and it's just more integrated and the image is better and the sound is better but for some reason you know we talk about this chemistry dynamic even people that are all fully appleified apple um and i guess just because we don't know if you're on a pc or we don't know you know it's like i i use facetime probably half as much as i use zoom and i you know and it's really interesting that that if you're, FaceTime sitting, if you're casual. Sitting, you know if you're sitting at your computer it seems like people don't like to use FaceTime, but if you're just on the go, FaceTime yeah, is good. Cause, just cause interesting. Is, I don't, don't have any answer. It's awkward on the go, I think, you know. Mm -hmm. anyway. So we're coming to the end of our half hour, guys. Uh, parting thoughts about virtual CES and, and what we're going to see next year, Lori? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think um, if, if indeed the vaccines roll out and people are willing to gather again, I think there's a real hunger to be around each other. But I do think everyone's going to have to learn to, to your point about how to market in this environment. And so I think there's going to be an interesting combination of these two things happening, that hybrid um, thing. But I also think it's interesting for CES to keep the venue open for the next month um you know it's going to be open until mid-february because i haven't spent that much time in it because i was working this week doing yeah. things i was doing so i i want to go in and spend some time looking at these companies um which for me is a treat because by the end of the ces week i have hardly gone anywhere because i've been working so i like the idea now that i get to spend the next couple of weeks actually digging in so i i, I think this will be a component moving forward. Yeah, I think that's really insightful. I, I, I hope that they pick up on that and they promote through email blasts and things best of CES. These were the highest rated discussions. These were the products that got the most interest. Like yeah. you can spread out time, right? Yeah. Um, which we would do on our own by follow-ups and all the other stuff. Um, but this year, because they have this now giant repository of all this media content, they should start to do some culling and like 
this was not really all that meaningful and nobody really like was going to get that much out of this. But this little nugget of this little company, someone should shine a light on these guys because they, you know, and, and CES does awards and best of and stuff like that. If they really take advantage of that within the channels of like continual promotion of this is what you might have missed at CES, I think they'll actually find a really unique benefit because people can spread their time and take half hour a day over the next month to find that unique speech that they wanted to, that unique voice they wanted to hear from or that unique product. Um, I just hope that they realize that they can pick up on that and benefit from that. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, they need to talk to us. <laughs> I think that it'll be interesting to see uh, how CES bounces back. Uh, you know, on one hand, I think there'll be a lot of pent up demand for it. But on the other hand, I do think it's kind of a super spreader event in Vegas in general. And, it, you know, CES, people are flying in from China, Asia, Mongolia, you know, Siberia, South Africa, Africa, all over the globe. It's the biggest super spreader event you could possibly imagine. And although I have to be there, um, I think I'll be masked up even after a vaccine. I don't I think agree. that... You know, the new normal is going to be the old normal. Yeah. And I think um, the know, a lot of things are going to change. And I think CES, CES yeah. is kind of at the epicenter of that. So it'll be a big bell. I think the masks that we saw some really cool masks with sensors and things like that. Yep. So I think by then we'll have great masks where you can actually hear someone. Because I don't know if you guys have found this, but I can't tell who's talking to me anymore. You know. I, I haven't been in person enough for it to really be an issue for me. I mean, if you go to a doctor's office yeah. or something and the nurses behind the thing talk to you, you're like, who's, yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. we need to well, fix that. <laughs> we are, we are lucky that we are safe and we have each other and we have Zoom and we have our podcast and we have our listeners and we have the world of tech, which is going to continue to evolve rapidly. Uh, no matter where we are, which is kind of one of the amazing things, magical things about it. So everybody, thank you. Thanks, Lori. Great to see you. Ted, I Eddie love you, in. brother. Let's get, uh, get in on some pro putt this weekend. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Hey, bye, everybody. It's an honor thank to talk you. to you guys. Thank you.